Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings just a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing What We Do in the Shadows, Together Together, and Julia. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Welcome everyone. Welcome back. Please excuse our absence. My mental health has been kind of up and down and it was a a down period in the depression. So I'm sure many of you know that it's really hard to make yourself do something, even the things that you want to do. So every time that I would think about doing this, I just had nothing. I couldn't think of anything and there was like nothing there, no feeling. So it was just overwhelming to think about doing. But as always, I'm working on it and we're back. And I'm sure many of you are just super curious and wondering, but yes, I did watch Get Back, the Beatles documentary. (laughs) Dylan was there. He watched it as well with me. Yes, all eight hours, happily. it was everything that I wanted it to be. And I am glad that it wasn't a movie because I welcomed the eight hours. It was way better than maybe an hour and 50 that we would have gotten. So I'm pretty stoked that we had eight hours. I hope we get more. And I just, I love seeing them work. It was like sitting in the room with my favorite band and just being in the room while they do things. And it was amazing. And whenever I think of that period of time now with the Beatles, it's less heartache and less sadness because yes, I could see the cracks there and the the failing marriage, but overall they were still really happy whenever they're doing making music and doing what they love and at the core they still loved each other which it did my heart good to see so I teared up quite a bit and then just laughed and I just love seeing them I hope I get more I'm sad that it's over but I hope I get more extended edition Peter come on let's do this yeah give me the Lord of the Rings treatment yeah and there's still like two documentaries that I'm looking forward to, uh, meeting the Beatles in India and like something. It's both the India trips, so maybe I'll get more footage with them in India, which they showed a little bit and Get Back, which was pretty cool. There's still that. And then maybe Peter Jackson would do the anthologies series. And like, I know there's tons of footage with that that they didn't use. Maybe they'll let him do it. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just spitballing. I don't know. Is that just what he's going to be known for now? <laughs> like, he's he did Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and now he's just like, I'm going to excavate old material and just make documentaries for the rest of my life. I mean, he doesn't have to do just that. But if he if he wanted to be the Beatles guy, that's fine with me. Because yeah. it means that I get more stuff, so. Yeah. I will say that Get Back, I did tweet this, but it is among the funniest movies I've seen all year, or pieces of entertainment Mm. and it has like one of the best villains i've seen on screen all year so yeah michael Lindsay hogg yeah people are still uh saying that paul's the villain and those people are whack (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous i like that it gave like a more well-rounded picture of where everyone was at at the time yeah it's something that i never thought i would ever see in my entire life which is crazy but it's like I feel like I know them even more, which seemed impossible before, but I feel like I know them. And it's really nice to see that all the stuff that I've read and watched, they still line up with how I've gotten to know them. Like the versions in my head are, they're close to me, but they line up pretty well, which is nice. So I like that part too. Yeah. I guess you could say that there are a lot of Easter eggs for Beatles fans in there, which is fun. Yeah, I will say, if anyone gets the chance, I doubt they will, but watch Get Back with Jessica because you will get a lot of context because there was a lot of moments that if I would have just been a casual viewer, I would have had no idea of the significance of certain things, like Mm -hmm. the meeting of the, uh, is it Alan Freed? Alan Klein. Alan Klein, okay. The manager of Rolling Stones, which I didn't know all about him basically stealing all their money and screwing them over and they sued him later yeah (laughs) but just like i wouldn't have known like it was kind of like a dramatic beat whenever i was watching it with you you're like it's this guy and i'm just like oh yeah because i didn't even realize that those meetings took place while they were recording that Mm -hmm. so it was really 
is kind of like a gut punch and just eerie to -hmm. see it. And then John was so, just so high on this guy and he wasn't even listening to people around him. Like even uh, Glenn John, the dude who was producing everything and doing sound, which he wasn't great. He was kind of annoying, but he even said, yeah, dude's weird. And John's like, yeah, isn't it great? And I'm like, John, no, no. And then he's getting George hyped on him, which killed my soul too and Paul's out of the room which is very fitting and I wonder in my mind I was like whenever he went to that meeting was he at the time meeting with his future father-in-law was that the time and that's why because he knew and it's just so wild if that was it like it's happening all at the same time and then John of course of course they're alone and John gets the upper hand at convincing the others like he's great he's great and Paul knew the truth and tried to convince them it didn't work and it was heartbreak so it was just weird just seeing all that happen Ugh. so if anyone is interested in having Jessica come over and kind of narrate <laughs> the documentary for them just slide into those DMs just yeah. let us know <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you about whenever John comes in, I'm like, hey, that's that interview that he was just at where he threw up during the middle of it because he's wearing the same clothes. I bet that's it. And then he mentions it. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, but they don't really mention that is because he was high on heroin, (laughs) which you told me. Yeah. You're like, those are the clothes. And then he mentions later, he's like, I just threw up on camera this morning. And I'm like, yep, that's it. Yeah. And he mentioned like, I've been mistreating my body. And that's what he means. Both him and Yoko were high on heroin. (laughs) So yeah, one of the great achievements of the year. Yeah. It also put into perspective, like all the books and everything about that time period made it seem like John was like really a slacker asshole during that time. But seeing that he was a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Like he was more present than I thought he was, which was nice. Yeah. I wish people wouldn't make that whole narrative. It really hurt them for a while. Even Paul and Ringo believed it. And now they see this and they're like, oh, okay, that's right. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Good job, Peter. Yeah. And I guess Disney for allowing it to happen, but... Yeah. Thanks to the Apple Vault, Apple, for releasing it to Peter, because they're like, I think we want to make a doc with this, and Peter was like, I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything that you would like to talk about? So yeah, in in the past couple months, I mean... I guess I've watched a couple things, <laughs> but uh, I will just touch on a few things really quickly. As far as movies, one that I watched recently that I found pretty intriguing um, was this 1936 film, Fury. I know what you're thinking. There goes Dylan again with his <laughs> old ass films or oh boy. whatever. It's Fritz Lang's first American film um, and it stars Spencer Tracy. And what I really like about this one, it kind of uh, is a portrait of how mob mentality can get out of control Mm -hmm. because it involves like a Spencer Tracy plays a guy who gets, he's like trying to make a better life for himself. But on the way to meet his fiance, yeah, he gets stopped by a cop and he is believed to be involved in this child kidnapping, but he's not. There are certain little small things that kind of make the police believe he is involved and a rumor gets started in town because one of the police officers is like, oh, we think we have the guy who did the kidnapping in our jail cell. <laughs> and then it kind of is spreads of just like through the town, like a game of telephone of just like things that aren't actually part of the case. Seems interesting from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, things just evolve from there. I'll just say that. And a new Blu-ray was just put out by the Warner Archive, which I highly recommend. It looks great. It's based on kind of like real life events of lynch mobs. So I would recommend that. But on a lighter note, (laughs) pretty sure on here we've praised Ted Lasso in the past. If not, I think everyone is well aware of it. Yeah. If you have Apple TV and you're like, I'm done with Ted Lasso, what is there to watch? I may have recommended Mythic Quest in the past, which is really great. It's Rob McElhaney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And yes, it's about the video game industry, but it's not too, like, in the weeds too much. Like, it gets a lot of stuff right about that industry, but it's very heartfelt, and it's about the relationships. If you like workplace comedies like The Office, I highly recommend it. But I also want to recommend this show that we recently wrapped up, Trying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just a real delight. It's about a couple who are trying to get pregnant at first, and then it evolves more into them trying to adopt. And it's just a really funny, sweet... It's really lovely. Yeah. (laughs) It's warm. 
yeah, it's just it's just a very nice show, I and mean, it's also really really funny <laughs> because it it just delves into the intricacies of relationships and how they interact with their friends, and it's just a joyous time. Mm-hmm. So if you have Apple TV Plus, if you're looking for something that's not Ted Lasso, <laughs> Mythic Quest and Trying are very good. Do not watch the second season of Morning Show; it is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> they really dropped the ball. Yeah, it was a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, COVID. Uh, yeah. you, you ruin our lives and you ruin the... The s- TV content. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, let's not end on a negative note. Let's get to something a little bit more joyous. I haven't uh, went dancing in a little bit. <laughs> I need to dust off my shoes. <laughs> Will you take my hand and Sundance with me? I shall. <laughs> <laughs> like this the whole time deacon on dishes and it still hasn't moved in five years you're a cool guy but you're not pulling your weight in the flat oh i'm glad to hear that i'm cool no that's not the point though yeah you're missing no i know not the I know. flat meeting about how cool you are when you get three vampires in a flat obviously there's going to be a lot of tension <laughs> viago was an 18th century dandy a ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent, but I don't. The trouble with being a vampire is you have to be invited in. Like come in to the bar, please. Will you invite us in? We need some fresh blood. What We Do in the Shadows premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2014. It is directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, and it stars Clement and Waititi alongside Jonathan Brew, Ben Fransham, Corey Gonzalez-McCure, Stu Rutherford, and Jackie Van Beek. Sorry for any mispronunciations. The film follows the lives of Viago, Deacon, and Vladislav, three flatmates who are just trying to get by and overcome life's obstacles, like being immortal vampires who must feast on human blood. Hundreds of years old, the vampires are finding that beyond sunlight catastrophes, hitting the main artery, and not being able to get a sense of wardrobe without reflection, modern society has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chore wheel, trying to get into nightclubs, and overcoming flat made conflicts. So it had been several years since we had watched this movie and uh, I remember really enjoying it and having a great time with it and I still really enjoy it. I think it's a very good movie but I think it has just lessened slightly for me just because the TV show is so great (laughs) that it just seems to pale in comparison, which is good for the TV show because I was very concerned when it was announced because I was like, will they be able to create the magic? And it is now one of my favorites. (laughs) It is just a joyous half hour of television. It was fun going back to revisit this to kind of see where things evolved from. And I did not remember that they used the television show's theme song as the main intro in this. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Hmm. And I love seeing all of the performers. Taika, he was already kind of known at this time, but like he's become uber popular now. Mm-hmm. Um, so just seeing him at this time, he's almost unrecognizable to me just because of his outfit and I know lack of facial hair. I don't know. It just messes with my <laughs> mind. Um, I think the film is really funny and it still makes me laugh quite a bit. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I'll say that this is probably my favorite horror comedy movie. Mm-hmm. It just surpasses all the other ones that I've seen. Usually they're like too cheesy or they kind of miss the mark on the jokes. I like Taika's, their sense of humor, their wit. Shots fired at Shaun of the Dead. <sighs> yeah, I like this better than that. Yeah. 
And I think I am finally at the point where whenever I think of the movie and then the show, I like the show a little bit better because for a while in the first season, I was enjoying it, but I was still like, I think the movie is better. Like it makes me laugh whenever I think about Mm -hmm. it. But now I guess because the show has more time to develop and everything and do more things. But yeah, I'm, I'm at the point where the show is better for me. Yeah. But I still love the movie. Yeah, I think what makes the show better for me and what I found lacking a little bit in the movie was the female vampire perspective. Yeah. I mean, there there's little bits, but having Nadja yeah. in the show, <laughs> it just takes it up a whole other level rather than <laughs> just having three dudes and then like a fourth dude that comes in. Um, I know <laughs> the Beast comes in at the end but she's just a very minor role and yes they have a female familiar but that's not quite the same and it just kind of it enhances the dynamic for me just to have someone like Nadja on the show yeah she's my favorite character and then the the familiar in the movie you see her doing things but they're not really as interactive with her as they are with Guillermo. Yeah. Which I like Gizmo. Guillermo. Yeah. <laughs> I like Guillermo better. He's there in yeah. it. They always go to him for talking heads. And we got only a few in the movie with the familiar. Yeah. And also, I don't want this to just be a praise of the show, but like having Matt Barry on your show <laughs> uh, just enhances it. And just everything he says. I mean, Jackie Daytona. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Just all I need is my my best pair of blue jeans and a toothpick. <laughs> Voila, Jackie Daytona. I do like that there are still jokes that we reference from the movie. Yeah, I like the character of Peter. Yeah, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> He's sleeping. Yeah. But this documentary, documentary, this yeah. comedy is really clever. I like that it starts with the uh, New Zealand Documentary Board logo, mm-hmm. just as like a little touch. I like that they add the the cameraman in just whenever there's they're in danger and they're like, oops, sorry. And mm-hmm. then they're like running around <laughs> trying to stay alive. Yeah. I love the werewolves. I wish that they would have done a movie with them. I know that they had kind of tossed that around. Yeah. Just I, like I a think sequel. they might be doing a show maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think I saw that. We are werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. I wish they were in it more. Reese Darby, I've loved him ever since I saw him on Flight of the Concords mm-hmm. because he's one of the best parts of that show. <laughs> he's really good in this role and I like I like their dynamics with the vampires and how they kind of square off with one another. Mm-hmm. I love that the the vampires are just, they're trying to be like normal people and then they're trying to be entertaining. Like they want to be entertaining and cool. So they they play it up for the camera because they know the camera's there and then just how they focus on their outfits and then going out and being social, but still keeping their secrets and everything. But they they want to be cool. Yeah. It makes me laugh. And in the introduction of Stu, the uh, Paschetti incident. <laughs> yeah. I love that Deacon is, he just loves playing that joke. He just offers people Paschetti and then fun ensues. Yeah. I, I like the tension between them, like the relationship, because it's like a bromance trying to make it work and then getting annoyed with each other. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of, at the beginning, just MTV's Cribs. Hey, this is my crib. Check it out. This is this. I do think that everyone should definitely watch this movie as well as the show, but they probably should watch the movie before the show just to get that sense of humor Mm -hmm. and the background and what's going on. Yeah, and plus, this isn't really a spoiler, but then you have Jermaine popping up in the series eventually, at least for like an episode. So that's a fun cameo that you get a little bit more background. Yeah. I like their jokes with Wesley Snipes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Both in the show and the movie, they make a lot of references to vampire stuff. Like yeah. in the movie, they have like uh, their little Lost Boys sequence, which mm. I found really funny. Yeah. And then also, as I discovered this year, there's a second TV series that has spun off from this movie. It's called Wellington Paranormal, and it involves the two police officers who go to visit the house mm-hmm. and <laughs> make sure everything's in order, yeah. which I did not know whenever I heard this that it was a spinoff of What We Do in the Shadows, but someone on Geek Vibes Nation reviewed it, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. So we need to find access to that at some point, <laughs> because I'd really like to watch it. Is that still going? 
Yeah, I think it's several seasons in. It's like a hit in New Zealand, but I think it's been airing on the CW. Hmm. I don't know. Are they just investigating paranormal stuff? Yeah, I think it's just like the weird things that happen because that's where the movie takes place. Because there's a lot of weird stuff in the, around there. You got <laughs> swearwolves, you got vampires. In the bush. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, everyone, go enjoy this movie. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yes. We originally intended to release this episode in time for Halloween, mm-hmm. but it's still good year-round. Yeah, it could have been a good Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Feasting. Jackie Daytona shows up and suddenly balls are going where they're supposed to go. What is your rating system? I mean, not to overuse it, but like plates of Pischetti. (laughs) Okay. Um, I would probably feast on four plates of Pischetti. Mm -hmm. What about you? How hungry are you? I myself would also love four plates of Pischetti (laughs) out of five. If you want to see how this bears with you, it is currently available to stream on Canopy and is available on Blu-ray and digital. Sorry, I'm just, I am a little nervous. I've thought a lot more about being a dad than I've thought about um, making conversation with the person carrying my baby. Right, well, I'm nervous too. To my sperm, to the donor's egg, and to your uterus. Cheers. Cheers. Mom, Dad, have some exciting news. I'm pregnant. I mean, the surrogate is pregnant. Together Together premiered at Sundance in 2021. It was written and directed by Nicole Beckwith. It stars Patty Harrison, Ed Helms, Tigna Taro, Julio Torres, Anna Conkle, and Sufe Bradshaw. When a young loner becomes the gestational surrogate for a single man in his 40s, the two strangers come to realize this unexpected relationship will change their perceptions of connection, boundaries, and the particulars of love. I enjoyed this movie. I had pretty low expectations for it because from what everything I saw before we watched it, people didn't really seem to appreciate it as much. And judging by the IMDb reviews that I sometimes peruse for laughs, people did not like the ending, which it was fine. (laughs) I found it to be adequate and logical. (laughs) You gotta love when a movie is adequate (laughs) and logical. Glowing endorsement from Jessica. Just to respond to the naysayers (laughs) because they're like, it doesn't make sense. It it is logical. Excuse me, Nicole Beckwith. Your your movie, <laughs> your ending adequate. Hey, I will say. Chef's kiss. Nicole, I will say that your ending is more than adequate. But I am just from a place of non-emotion. <laughs> this is my assessment. That's that's pure Jessica. She's not. An, <laughs> she's just purely analytical. No, just like the structure of a story. Anyways, I think the the movie is very, it's like a a quiet drama, and I think it's gentle and it's nice. It's not all like heavy or anything. There are laughs. I think people were irritated and they get confused because they think it's like a rom-com, but it's not at all. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that anyone should go into that expecting that, which I didn't, so that helps a lot. But it's more like just people getting to know each other, and like the synopsis says, they're finding out like the boundaries and perceptions of relationship and love and trying to define that what it means because it can be kind of confusing whenever you are in a relationship that's just a friendship with someone who's carrying your baby mm-hmm. <laughs> things can get blurred easily yes they do care for each other and they're fond of one another but in love that's a different thing so don't go in expecting like they're gonna be making out and saying like i love you so much blah 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 it's not Mm -hmm. that it's not that kind of movie which i like because i think it's refreshing it's it's just nice yeah in my little film twitter bubble (laughs) some of the people i had followed whenever they were talking about this movie they gave glowing endorsements Mm -hmm. and they were saying what a like i said refreshing it was refreshing to see just kind of more platonic adult friendships featured Mm -hmm. on screen rather than just having to just do like a standard romantic story. I was kind of more going into this pretty much knowing that it wasn't supposed to be like romantic love in Mm -hmm. that way. So I just wanted them to have that closeness with each other of just a human connection. Yeah. And I think it mostly met my expectations. I might have built it up a little too much. Like I wanted Mm -hmm. to feel too much because Mm -hmm. I'm always striving for that. Like make me feel. Yeah. I'm always (laughs) 
chasing that high. And he didn't quite get that, but it was just like, oh, this is nice. And for that reason, I appreciate it because there's not just a a lot of nice movies that you can just throw on. Like a lot, there's a lot of just, and that was disappointing. Like this was just kind of, it made you feel good overall, I think. Yeah. I like the story of human connection. It's always nice and I do love how fond of each other they are and they're going to be there for one another for the rest of their lives I'm sure because they become good friends Mm -hmm. and I do like that the movie goes into the audacity that society and everyone has to just touch women's bodies and they think that they have the right to comment on them like touching their pregnant belly or being like oh how far along are you and then they say like five months and they're like whoa that baby's huge you look like you're nine months and no one knows you can't tell how far along someone is by looking at their belly and stuff like all women are different they could be they could look like they're three months along and be like six months no one knows except for the doctor who measures the belly yeah so it's just ridiculous. So I like that they, they slip that in there. And Patty Harrison does a great job where she's just like, uh, okay. And just mm-hmm. kind of plays it off. And you can see how uncomfortable it is. She does a good job with showing how uncomfortable it is. And you shouldn't do this. Don't do that. Yeah, I loved her character and I loved her performance in it. Because I really like Patty Harrison. She's like mm-hmm. usually a blithely dark comedic <laughs> spirit just floating around like in shrill and yeah. everything. She's really funny. But this gave us like a whole different side of her mm-hmm. and proves that yeah she can be like a really great dramatic actress as well yeah and the way her character was written it seemed very believable and there's a lot of like hollywood portrayals of this type of lady who would they would write her to be i mean not that she isn't a soft character but they would want her to behave in a certain way and respond in a certain way but she just kind of seemed like people i would know mm-hmm. and not everyone has to feel a certain way. She's pregnant, but it's not necessarily changing her life. It's just a thing that is happening to her. Yeah. And there are certain things that she goes into, how it's impacting her and, like, her mental state that I find really interesting. Like, how Matt... Ed Helms' character, he is really confused as to why she doesn't want to tell anyone, and it really is a sticking point for him for a while. Mm -hmm. But for her, it's just she says she doesn't want to be known as a person who is only good at getting pregnant, basically. And and that's kind of, like, heartbreaking, but also, like, understandable. Because, like, oh, yeah, you know, she just pregnant again, and that's who she is. Yeah. But she's, like, multifaceted, and she, she doesn't want to be defined by being pregnant and she doesn't want to keep the baby but she also doesn't want to get an abortion and that's fine and that's her choice and yeah that's the story and that's good yeah i think uh ed helms being or his character matt being older and being well just being older he is more likely to be like let's tell everyone that's what Mm -hmm. you do and she has more baggage to this situation i do like like she's not a mess or anything but she has things going on in her life and she's working through it and it's very realistic i love all the stuff that she says about her family it's really really relatable Mm-hmm. and how she has issues with talking to them and boundaries. And there's a quote that I loved. I wrote it down. I'm going to kind of paraphrase because I don't think I quite got it written down because I wrote it down later. Okay. <laughs> she says of her family, they were only happy when I was wildly unhappy. I miss the family I had when I was 10. Not talking to them made it easier. And I think that is so relatable. And I loved that line. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, but it's also really insightful, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's why it gets you. (laughs) Yeah. So I like how realistic she is. And Ed Helms' character is also pretty realistic. Just Mm -hmm. he's trying to navigate his way through this, which is weird because people are just like, what are you doing? Like, you're a single dude and you just want a baby. Okay, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I do love how it also showed, the movie showed how differently people treat certain people like Anna is a young woman who got pregnant and people automatically whenever they're together like registering for things for his baby shower people automatically assume like they're together and then whenever they learn that they're not they automatically look at her with a little bit of disdain and they judge her and then Ed Helms Matt whenever he's like it's mine and I want this baby and I want to just raise it myself they're like oh my goodness and they're they're like oh that's so wonderful because the bar is set so low for men. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's like the whole thing where whenever a man is with his own kids out and people call it babysitting or they're just like, whose kids are those? Are those your kids? And it's like, yeah, I'm out with my kids. And they're like, wow, that is revolutionary. And it's here's, just, here's your medal. Yeah. They're just like, wow. And women are like, oh, and they just fawn over them. And they did that like at the baby shower that they had. They just pushed her out completely. And they're like fawning over him and just saying how wonderful he was and how excited. And they didn't even think about her. She was just like ornamental. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention, especially the baby shower stuff, how she's mostly kind of relegated to being an object, like you said. Like they just refer to her as the surrogate instead of Anna. Like they, they don't even bother to say her name. And they just kind of like, here, let me just throw my coat on you let me just like yeah and they they touch her her stomach and all kinds of stuff they just do it without asking and she doesn't have feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> i know i i mean i realize that they don't know how to approach the situation because she's not his partner mm-hmm. and she's not going to be the mom but you can still treat her with decency yeah i think it was interesting how this you're supposed to root for the character of matt of course but he's also kind of acting in the role of the person who has to stumble through all these delicate situations and make mistakes because like at the party he doesn't you want him to say like hey no like she has a name do this but he just kind of rolls with it and (laughs) He doesn't even realize really what's going on or like why she might be upset and what he should have done. But like he does learn, but he's just oblivious in that moment. Yeah. I mean, and as a man, yes, we all are at points and he makes a lot of like kind of grand statements where he's like, I'm in the right. Like, no, of course you shouldn't, you should not have sex while you're carrying my child and it's just like yeah. bro that you're being too much yeah that's over that's overstepping boundaries that's not yeah and she's just like uh no and then i love that they go to tignataro and she's the therapist <laughs> like all of their scenes with her i think they're, they're really funny of course because it's mm-hmm. tig and she's <laughs> the best but it's also just it helps both of them to realize what should be expected from the pregnancy and what their relationship and what they're each trying to get out of it and mm-hmm give them that supposedly impartial force. Yeah, it's just the whole thing with, you can see and understand that whenever he freaks out about her having sex while she's pregnant, it's kind of like adjacent to slut shaming, which Mm -hmm. we should get a better term for it, woman shaming. But like, yeah, just she can't enjoy herself and just do something that's not going to hurt the baby at all. It's it's fine. Because all dads apparently think that just... They're like angels. When they're pregnant. Not just that, but just like something's going to happen to the baby if sex is had. Yeah, which it doesn't. It's completely fine. And later on, it can actually help induce labor. It's fine. Yeah. So like, don't even worry about it, fam. It's it's just fine. Yeah. (laughs) Learn some anatomy. Yeah. I know it goes along with just him being older, too, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I love how the movie just shows all of those things. And there is one scene that I really, really loved where she's looking out for him in the future, and she was, like, just started asking him about periods and menstruation. Oh, yeah, that was great. And it made me tear up a little bit because it was really, it was lovely. And she wasn't shaming him or anything. She was just explaining it matter-of-factly, asking him, like, quizzing him about tampons. And I think it was so nice that she thought about that because she thought about him being a single dad and if this the baby is a girl then he's gonna she wants the baby to have a better future in that way and not be ashamed and to learn and she wants him not to be like weirded out by it or Mm -hmm. shame her and I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, instead of, like, the stereotypical movie dad where it's just like, oh, no, dad, I got my period. And he's like, what? And he's, like, freaks out and, like, fumbles stuff. And, like, yeah. where's your mother? She's out of state for some reason. What do I do? And then going to, like, look at the wall of tampons. And he's like, what? What are wings? And yeah. stuff. And just, I, like, I don't want to do this. And just like, come on, fam. Yeah. <laughs> it was really nice. You can definitely tell that this had a female authorial Mm -hmm. guide towards this movie because like it's very nuanced and thought out and it's what you want to see on screen yeah like it's a good representation of what should be yeah because so many times throughout the movie i was like yes yes Mm -hmm. and it wasn't too too sweet or too saccharine or anything or unbelievable it was really well written Mm -hmm. and directed it was great yeah Good job, Nicole. (laughs) 
Oh, good for you. And how was it? Pray tell, Jessica. <laughs> what is your rating system? My rating system is uninvited belly rubs. Mm. I was kind of thinking about doing three and a half, but you know what? I think this movie deserves a little boost. So I'm going to say four uninvited belly rubs out of five. I hate that I'm so in sync with you because <laughs> at the beginning of the conversation, I was like, I think I'm going to give this a three and a half. And then as we were talking about it, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's that's right. So yeah, I will endure four. Un, uh, what was it? Uninvited. Un- un- I was like, unheralded belly rubs. <laughs> so, yeah. If you would like to check out this movie, uh, it is currently available to stream through Hulu and Canopy. I'm Junior Child. Today you have Rockstar Chefs. Julia's the first. Mm, I think I love you. Julia had these kind of romantic dreams for what her life might be. She was really pining for adventure. I did want to be a spy, and I thought I'd be a very good one. She never looked back. As soon as I got into France and realized what it was all about, one taste of that food, and I never got over it. I decided that I would enroll in the Cordon Bleu. Cooking was a world of men. Women were basically part of the window dressing. You certainly didn't see them teaching. I'm Julia Child. Welcome to the French Chef. She changed everything. Julia was released in 2021. It was directed by Julie Cohen and Betsy West. Julia tells the story of Julia Child, the legendary cookbook author and television superstar who changed the way Americans think about food, television, and even about women. I really enjoyed this documentary. It's from the makers of RBG. And I still like that one a little bit more, but I really enjoyed this one. They bring like the same inventive kind of style. I love how they include the food preparation scenes, like the meal scenes. It's really nice and it provides a really great ambiance and it really lets you see, like visualize what she's talking about whenever Julia's talking about recipes or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can see it being made and it makes you want to try it. It makes you want to eat. Absolutely. It's like you can almost smell it through the screen, which is great. And I have been a big fan of the movie Julie and Julia and that's whenever I first got interested in Julia Child because they had like all this press stuff around it so I'd see clips of her and learned a bit more about her and the documentary covers a lot of things that that movie covers like her time in Paris and going to the cooking school and how hard it was and because it goes through like her letters to her friend and you gain more insight through her life that way but this documentary does a really good job at going deeper and into Paul her husband, his insight at the time through his letters, and you get to see some of his letters being written on the screen, and hers too, and I love that, and I think it's really, it's a really warm documentary, and it makes me feel nice, and it makes me respect her even more, and yes, like, she had those flaws where talking about, like, how she was, I guess, unaccepting of gay people at first, but then having a friend who was gay die of AIDS, and how she was suddenly like, oh, let's just try to change this and let's raise a bunch of money and so yeah changing her point of view yeah like they said she was always willing to change and learn and that's really nice so i appreciate that about her and it seems like a lot of these really strong female figures in history they always are kind of I guess, hesitant and resistant and calling themselves feminists and Mm. they don't really think of themselves that way and they're just living. It's the same way with Dolly Parton and it just kind of blows my mind because they're usually the trailblazers and she never really thought of herself that way but she very much was and she did a lot for women in cooking. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, but then you had Julia also, she wanted to be kind of like a traditional housewife. She wanted to make sure she was around for her husband and cooking for him. care of him yeah and available for sex and like (laughs) yeah but that's that's the whole point of feminism like Like she can choose yeah Yeah, i know she can have that if she wants it and no one should judge her because if you want that that's great yeah but in her mind i think maybe she thought that wasn't what feminism was probably but she was also like working hard all the time so she wasn't just a housewife she was busy (laughs) yeah in addition to being a boss she wanted to play that role when she was at home yeah and you got a sense of it in the movie julia and julia but i love 
her relationship, her marriage with Paul. He was a feminist too. He was so supportive and I loved how he loved her. And you got the sense of how sexual they were in that movie. Yeah. And then in the doc, it goes even more into it, like how obsessed he was of her legs. Yeah. And I just really love it. I love how enamored he was with her. And then like, I was not expecting a fully nude picture of Julia Child. <laughs> and I was like, whoa! Spoiler alert. That should have been a little surprise for the Maybe. No, you gotta leave. It was just, I was like, whoa! But it wasn't like full frontal, don't worry. It was just a little bit of butt with side boob. But I was like, all right. Yeah. But it's just like... You go, girl. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what they did. And I think that's great. He wanted to take pictures of her. And they mentioned how he would come home for lunch and they'd just bone and yeah. stuff. And that's it's how good it, to have rituals. Yeah, that's how it was in the movie. Julie and Julia, too. Mm-hmm. I love just seeing more of their relationship and how much he actually did for her. It's pretty great. Yeah. But I do got to say I do appreciate Julie and Julia a little bit more just because in terms of how they depict Paul because it's Stanley Tucci. The Tucci. Uh, and like this guy in photographs and stuff like he looked fine but like <laughs> He's, he doesn't bring the warmth of the Tooch. Yeah, I will say that movie mm-hmm. with Stanley Tucci as that character, that is like the first time where I was like, oh, Stanley. <laughs> like, yeah. that's nice. Okay. Yeah. I appreciated him a lot more. Yeah. And it just, Stanley, he just brings like a natural warmth with him anyway. Mm-hmm. And just, it kind of seems just slightly at odds with like the Paul that is talked about in the document like it says that he was warm with julia but he might have been kind of especially in his later years like more awkward and like not yeah as friendly with other people but he was like obsessed with julia Mm -hmm. i think within reasonable bounds obsessed with her yeah like he seemed like a fairly dynamic as he was younger and like in the military and stuff but he just seemed like julia was pretty much his world and he didn't seem much interested in like getting to know other people he was just in the corner just like admiring her yeah he was very reserved but he did love his work he Mm -hmm. was really invested in that and then in her and her work yeah it's just if I didn't have that familiarity with Stanley playing the role, I I would still feel for their love story probably, but I think I get more from it knowing, like having that context of seeing mm-hmm. Stanley and Meryl play that on screen than me just also watching this. It evokes those feelings that I already have yeah. within me. I like that with that movie, you see how how important Julia is still to a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And then with the doc, it goes even further. You can see even at the beginning how important and how quickly women and just men too got obsessed with her Mm -hmm. and they were enamored with her. I think it's amazing. I do like that they had a lot of people who worked with her mm-hmm. at that time like they, they're still around and like get, got to share their experiences they're just yeah. like how was that opening show <laughs> just her signs to like dab her sweat and stuff mm-hmm. and just like this is like a lot of movies in one there's the early her gently rebelling against her father of just i'm not gonna just be like a simple go with the flow type of gal like i want to yeah i want to have <laughs> adventures and stuff but then it kind of goes into like a diy like, scrappy cooking show and then it's morphs into her international stardom and then like advocacy of different things nurturing the next group of cooks but also trying to stay in the picture and yeah. not let people just write her off and yeah. scooch her out yeah not just be like oh you're done with me that's fine she's like uh hell no i'm gonna like do this other thing i'm gonna yeah. she's hardcore yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go to network television i'm gonna go to was it like good morning america i think mm-hmm. yeah she's all over the place yeah and then it gets a lot of fun background i know she was all into paul and stuff but just how she was like a flirt with everyone yeah. <laughs> and just like all right cool cool like she just like loved men yeah and just, she was nice to women but she loved men. <laughs> yeah that was amusing yeah which sometimes that can be like a red flag if you have a woman being like i don't get along with women very well i just get along with men well because you worry about internalized misogyny and stuff but she was still caring towards them and she gladly interacted with them and was gracious with them but yeah. she, i think she just enjoyed flirting because mm. she likes sex so mm. i mean 
it makes sense. Yeah, she was unashamed of her, yeah. her enjoyment of sex. But then, like, you do have the scenes of her talking to people who had bought her book or were impacted by her book, women who were like, this means the world. And she's, like, just interacting with them mm-hmm. and having moments with them. Yeah, she's not cold to anyone. No. Yeah, I don't think she ever was. I just think she's a person who loved to have fun, and she was very passionate in most every aspect of her life. And, like I said, she's not perfect, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, she has her flaws, but I think this does a good enough job of addressing them and showing them and just being like, yeah, she was a person. And she's not a saintly figure, but she's yeah. pretty great. I love that they didn't shy away from that, because some docs would, mm-hmm. and up until now, it would be more so like she is a saintly figure, but this is more injecting humanity into her, which is nice. Yeah, it, which makes it resonate even more. Oh, okay, like, I believe in her more because I know she is also fallible, and mm-hmm. it makes her more impressive, just more believable. Yeah, there's tons of footage for the documentary that they use, which is great, and tons of photographs. And like you said, all the people's stories were very amusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the people that she met in France. There are some included, so you have some French people talking. And mm-hmm. I like how in love with France that she was, how she wanted to live there, and mm-hmm. she did sometimes, but how it made a deep impression on her heart, and it made her want to cook. Like that first dish that they had with the fish, they explained it and showed it, but it made her want to learn how to cook and get invested. It's like a nice origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I recall correctly, didn't you say that French cooking is not your... I know we're not <laughs> judging this, but like, didn't you say like French cooking, not your fave? Yeah, it's still... You mean like types of food. Yeah. It's not like top of my list, which is Italian, mm-hmm. but French food is still something that I would love to try, like authentic. They use a ton of butter, which Julia loved. That's what hooked her in the first place. She was like, wow, all this butter. But it's a little bit more cheesy and buttery and less like other flavors that really pop to me. Yeah, it seems like in this movie she was using a lot of beef. Yes, they love it. Yeah, and I know you like it, but I know it's not... Yeah, it's not my favorite. Top of the rock for you. Yeah. (laughs) I want to try it in French pastries. Now that Mm -hmm. is where it's at for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it just... I love her passion for... Yeah. Food. And like the French, they're passionate about stuff. So yeah. just having that cooking culture, it is nice to see on screen and showing how she was proved herself apart from just like the, the male dominated world and just how mm. they kind of dismissed her and then had to kind of reckon with her. Yeah. All of the chefs over there, they're very elitist and it's hard to break through, but she broke through. I mean, she's very headstrong, which they talked about could be a bit of a, a flaw at yeah. times but she was like I'm gonna go to the school that's usually all men and they hate women being in there and I'm gonna do it and she did it yeah. <laughs> it was like one of the top of her class the French they don't want anyone to mess it up they take their food and wine very seriously mm-hmm. <laughs> and their films Yes. They're just very serious about art and culture. and Yes, which I very much appreciate. Yeah. I wish we had a little bit of that in the, the U.S., but the U.S. doesn't care about art very much. Mm-hmm. It's more about business. Yeah, they care a little bit about food, but yeah. that's also in part because of Julia. <laughs> yeah. The movie goes into how much she changed food culture in America because before, which seeing a lot of recipes from the 50s, I'd seen they were eating some crazy stuff like weirdo jello with hot dogs and stuff in it. Yeah. It is gross and hot Dr. Pepper with orange slices. <laughs> it is wild. So they were eating a lot of pre-prepared stuff and processed and like just warm up this tin of food and yeah, which is fine. I'll eat lean cuisine. I don't care. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But just like all the time, the weird gelatin stuff that they were doing mm-hmm. is ugh. And then she came in and was just like, no, let's get fresh ingredients. And this is how they cook in France. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she showed how fun it could be and how eye-opening it is. Yeah, how it could be accessible to you if you just took a little bit of extra time. Yeah, and she changed America's palate, whereas America's palate was more like of a toddler. You want to experience more. Taste this. I mean, compared to a lot of people, we're still not as refined, but like we're better. Yeah, 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 for sure. And all the immigration and everything helps too, just getting different foods and Mm -hmm. ideas, which is great. But yeah, it was a weird time in the 50s. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) I'm open to trying hot Dr. Pepper, but it's very strange. You heard it here first. Definitely watch this movie and tell everyone about it because it's great. And I think the filmmakers deserve all of the praise and attention. 
I want them to make more docs. Yeah, bless these filmmakers for doing the real work. Yes, they are lovely, and they're really lovely on Twitter, too. They will interact with you, so if you watch this movie, tag them in it, and they'll respond. They'll say thank you, and they really love it, so please do. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned me in a tweet, and one of them started following me. I was like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Julie Cohen, she'll follow you. Yeah. That's great. I'm <laughs> <laughs> So Jessica, hit me with that rating system. My rating system has to be chef's knives. Having just gotten myself a really good one, I can safely say that everyone needs one. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie four chef's knives out of five. Mm. Nice. So I'm staying consistent throughout this whole yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your rating system? Well, after seeing them fall into a bowl all movie, just like, oh, cubes of beef. <laughs> And I will go, once again, consistency, four cubes of beef out of five, because it was a lot of fun. And one thing to note, it's interesting, whenever we reviewed Big Night, also with the Tooch, we wanted more of the like classic food preparation mm-hmm. scene. Who even knew that this one, this would offer what we needed, like yeah. just throughout. I knew we'd get to see Julia, but just to see all that food prep. I wasn't expecting it. I'm so hungry. Yeah. If you would like to see this movie, at the moment, it is currently available to see in theaters, but it should be available digitally and on Blu-ray. Probably check for it right February, late January, February, most likely. I'm just guessing. (laughs) We got a screener of it, but... Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing something, (laughs) at least two Sundance movies and one non-Sundance movie. We're not going to put that pressure on ourselves. It'll be great. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. If you liked the show, go ahead and leave a rating and review. Yeah, if you're happy to see us back just give us that little encouragement. Maybe it'll help us produce these faster. Who knows? Maybe it'll help my brain. I don't know. Yeah, we value or we judge our self-worth on your feedback. (laughs) So come on. No one said we were healthy. (laughs) If you didn't like it, I don't want to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter if you want, at DylanGonzalez2, also on Instagram. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on GeekVibesNation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jessica Narrates. You can also find me contributing to GeekVibesNation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at MusicByAndrewCarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at The Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Jessica. And I've been Dylan. And remember, when you're in the kitchen cooking and you make a mistake, just place it back together. It's only you in the kitchen. Who's to know? Bye! Gucci!